to the strange break. Roll another one, cause I'm winning. In my photo, looking real photogenic. Gentleman attire and threads that won't expire. I'm in the class of my own. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. I call you off guard there. Um, welcome back to the podcast. I'm with Patrick D. Nicola. Was that right? That was right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I met him. I don't know how to describe you. How do I describe you? Um, anyway, I met him recently through a mastermind I'm a part of and uh, hop on some phone calls with this guy. And I was like, definitely need to get him on the podcast because our conversations have been like pretty uh, just like enjoyable, uh, you know, talking about everything from spirituality uh, I guess meditation is a part of spirituality, mindset, you know, health and fitness, health and wellness, grounding or, or, or is earthing. I think you, yeah, no, earthing. both, they work with that they kind of stuff. Both. Yeah. So man, just kind of introduce yourself, tell, tell everybody what you kind of do and what you're working on right now. Cause there's a lot of cool stuff going on with your, uh, with your world right now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me and, uh, Hey everyone. Uh, welcome. And I am a sleep efficiency specialist. So I coach individuals on maximizing and optimizing their sleep cycles. Uh, entrepreneurs, businessmen, and women who are seeking to improve themselves just that 1% each day. And a really easy way to seek that improvement is to improve something that you're doing a third of the time, a fourth of the time of your life. And that is uh, maximizing your sleep. Now, I got into this field in a sort of, it's, it's always, I feel like when you, when you find your, your calling, when you find your passion, I feel like it's never on purpose. Uh, it's, it's always intention, like the intention was there, but it wasn't my, by design any, any, any which way about it. I'm, I'm certified as a yoga teacher. Uh, 800 hours of yoga. I'm Dang. certified as a life coach and a personal trainer and certified as a nutrition coach. And what happened and why I teach and, and help people specifically with sleep is that years ago, I myself struggled uh, immensely with my adrenals. And because my adrenals were so heavily affected, I was struggling to sleep. Um, now this was five years ago. I got really, really sick and it caused me to radically revolutionize my life. I was a personal trainer and a bartender at the time. So I was living this nightlife. I was working out all the time, spending a lot of time in the gym and focused on the exterior of life, focused on the, the looks, on what, what my body looked like, what I looked like doing things at, at the bar, girls, all those kinds of things. Everything in my life at that time was an exterior. And so I got really, really sick and it just kind of came out of nowhere. And it caused me to basically doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. I got diagnosed with Epstein-Barr virus and they didn't correlate it to my symptoms. What is so that? then they, so Epstein-Barr virus is the virus that causes mono. So it's oh. EBV. Uh, it's similar to HIV in the sense that it is incurable by modern medicine. Mm. So it's of the same sort of lineage as HIV and how HIV causes, causes AIDS. 
uh, Epstein-Barr virus causes mono in kids. And as an adult, it serves as an autoimmune dysfunction. So basically mm. for the rest of my life, if I don't cure myself of this, which is the only way to cure yourself of it is to do it naturally and your body has to beat it. Um, I will experience flu-like symptoms, pneumonia-like symptoms for the rest of my life on and off, and it will cut my life expectancy by a third. Wow. So that was not a fun diagnosis. At the same time, there was a lot of confusion. And right. at some point we were even looking at, because my lymphatic system was also highly inflamed, we were even looking at me possibly having cancer, some sort of growth or... so. After the doctor told me, hey, I don't think it's this Epstein-Barr. I don't think that's why your adrenals are this way and your lymphatic is, is attacked this way. The best thing we can do is to biopsy your limbs. So my limbs are the ones that were swollen were the ones in the neck and they were just highly inflamed, the size of golf balls. And, but when he said, let's remove them, I was confused because I understand on a very basic level at this time, the importance of the lymphatic system. Now, right. since then, I've learned a lot more. The lymphatic system is our detoxification. It is where all our toxins are processed through the body. Most. Some are, you know, like alcohol and stuff. That's processed through the liver. But when it comes to like airborne pathogens or anything that is infectious in nature, bacterias, things like that, those are all processed through the lymphatic system. And we have what's called lymphatic fluid which actually makes up more fluid in the body than blood. So we have a lot of lymphatic fluid and the lymphatic system is very important. So when he said, let's just remove a couple of them, I was like, mm, that doesn't sound like I wanna do that. <laughs> so I went to a naturopath and the naturopath gave me my proper diagnosis. He said- What, that, an, what is that? A, natu uh, an, what is it? a naturopath, um, a naturopathic okay. uh, doctor. So someone who practices uh, holistic uh, medicine. Okay. What is the word like naturopath? What is it? Naturopath? Naturopath? Naturopath. What does naturopath. that mean specifically? Uh, naturopath means, uh, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm not sure the actual definition. So it, gotcha. it is of nature being the path to heal the body. Mm. Naturopath. So gotcha. they're, they're people that are going to uh, help people with autoimmune dysfunctions, uh, things that general science and general, you know, uh, medical science does not have an answer for. Um, they're going to in introduce herbs and tinctures, remedies. Uh, these are where homeopathics come in. So a lot of different combinations of different herbs and tinctures, and they will work with regular doctors, um, typically, uh, but sometimes they don't. And, uh, they have, I don't know, it's, they have a nutritional background. They understand how the body works as a whole. Yeah. Uh, see, in, in Western medical science, we take the individual aspects and we go, okay, you have liver disease. Let's look at the liver. Why is the liver doing that? Let me just focus on the liver. And it's like, well, you can do that, but there's also other, other parts of the body that might be dysfunctional that you're missing because you're only looking at the liver. So they don't do that. They don't take a myopic view. They don't take a segmented view. They look at the body as a whole and they say, okay, what are the imbalances that can cause this one thing to happen? Right. 
And then they start looking at all those different things that can cause that. Got Just it. to get off, off topic a little bit. But just a little bit. Anyways, it's all yeah, good, man. Uh, it's all good. Yeah. It seems to be so, a, a pattern with our conversations. <laughs> just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. bit. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I I self-healed was the diagnosis, was, you know, uh, change my lifestyle, get out of the environment that I was in, you know, waking up, uh, going to bed at five o'clock in the morning was not healthy for my body at this time. I was trying to fight an infection and, and illness and right. Uh, you know, sleep is very important. So then I dove into sleep and, uh, and this is when I went and pivoted. This is when I went to school for yoga. I went to school for meditation, learned about the breath, learned about all of these healing, uh, aspects internalized within us, like all these things that we can access, uh, that can help the body itself, uh, fortify. And, uh, so I stopped focusing on the external. I went internal through this experience and, and really facing my mortality. And, uh, and I'm so gr- very grateful for it um, because now I get to help people in a really true and meaningful way. I get to help uh, impact their lives and, and help them grow. And uh, that's, that's why we're all here, I think. I think we're all here to help people. And uh, so, so yeah, to kind of answer your question, I guess, um, I got sick. And it caused me to radically revolutionize my entire life. And from that, I learned things. And then through those learnings, I was able to turn into a sleep coach. I was doing stress management coaching and, uh, and breath work coaching for a while. And uh, aspects of, the, of that coaching, people said, listen, my sleep is greatly improving. Um, how come? And my clients. And so I said, well, it's because of this, it's because of this. And so then I decided to take that feedback, go, go back into the, uh, in, into the uh, research mode and, and, and figure out the science of sleep because that was one of the things that I didn't know up until a couple of years ago was like all the latest science, all the sleep hygiene, what the light is doing, all of this stuff. You've had people on, on, the, on the past, uh, in the past talk about uh, some of these things. And, uh, and yeah, it was kind of like a light bulb moment when I was able to help someone just through a conversation, uh, just change their entire life and just through one conversation. And that's how I knew that this is what I'm uh, meant to do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick, man. So you talked about how you, you obviously you do the sleep coaching. What does that look like for an individual that, like, let's say, let's say I'm like, having trouble with sleep or like my sleep patterns or, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, let's say I'm, I know that my sleep needs to be improved in order to feel better, perform better, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what does that process look like in terms of like step, step by step, like from a bird's eye view, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, it depends on the person. I like to say it's uh, the ABCs to get you to more Z's and, uh, (laughs) And so for an individual who isn't working out and their nutrition is off and there's a lot going on that it's not, that it's being externalized as sleep problems, but it's like, you know, you, you're not, you're not moving your body properly. You're not breathing correctly. Your, your nutrition is whack. Like you're eating McDonald's, things like that. Um, we will, we will highlight those things because when you change those things, those are the things that are going to most greatly in, in improve your sleep, right? Mm, if, you're, yeah. if you're not eating green vegetables and 
you don't have a very balanced diet, um, you know, those are going to affect your hormones, your moods, your, your wants, your desires. You're going to be used to eating, taking the shortcuts in life. You know, if you're someone yeah, who right. constantly does not prepare your food, then you don't know how to put that investment into yourself. Right. So, right. um, That's an interesting point. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you start to learn to take the time to, to do things like cook for yourself or, or take the time to craft, uh, a, a really healthy meal. It doesn't, you don't have to craft it yourself, but mentally craft it. And you're like, okay, I need these things. I'm, I'm craving these things and I want these things and they're healthy for me. There's a, there's a process in the mind that's, that's, I always like to start with the physical with people that are struggling with the physical because it's a really good way to, to get the body moving and, and not li- literally and figuratively. Um, you get, the, right. you get the ball rolling with, uh, with the physical movement and some nutrition stuff. Um, for other people that have a lot more self-mastery that are higher level, maybe you, for example, who you know, you know about your nutrition, you move your body daily, you work out, things like that. Then we're right. going to talk about you know, sleep hygiene. And, and this is some of the stuff that you can, that you can find in books. Um, but when, what I find most with entrepreneurs specifically is that we might have our days totally dialed in. We might have a really good morning routine and a really good night routine. We're moving our bodies. We're listening. We're eating somewhat healthy, maybe only pizza or something crappy every now and again, but really, yeah. really eating well. And so, but there's still a disconnect. There's still a, like extra layers and uh, of, of, of rest that you, could, that, you, that you feel. So there's a mental aspect of it. You know, um, when you're an entrepreneur and you go 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 and you're doing all these tasks and then you're seeking to let go of the tasks and relax, you know, our most common relax uh, mode is a distracting relax right. mode, right? We go to happy hour. We go to hang out with the boys. We, you know, hang out with the girls. We go to a movie. We get go home, binge watch something. You know, this is our, and even if it's like going to the gym, that's still a distracting. It's still a distraction. It's still distraction, right? It's a stimulus. So, yeah, it's a stimulus. It's another form of stimulating the the, the body and the mind. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so what I try to teach and I, I take people through an experience is to connect with, with their purpose, to connect with their desires, to take the time to reflect, right? Because you're going, 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 and your mind has no time to sit with its own thoughts. And then you go, 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 go. And then you shift and you go into distracting. And then you're finished with distracting and now you want to get to bed. And you can't seem to shut your mind off, right? Have you ever like just Dude, gotten in bed, hardcore, exhausted, <laughs> and the mind last night, is just last going night. crazy? And so there's a few techniques that you can do, uh, physical techniques that you can do to help with this. But just being there with your thoughts, journaling your thoughts, taking notes of your thoughts, whatever it might be. If you do that before you get to bed, then it is more more likely that your mind's not going to and you're not going to be thinking about oh what do i have to do tomorrow what do i have what did i get done today blah 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 you know like the the thing is is that the mind does like to do these check-ins it does like to assess right. but if we don't give it the time to do that throughout the day then it's going to take that time while you're trying to fall asleep 
And that's the, and that's a big thing for people taking 45 minutes, an hour to fall asleep. When, when I'm done with my clients, they can fall asleep in five minutes. Really? And that's because they have everything set up. And when they, when their head hits the pillow, everything's turned off. All the switches are off. They don't have those lingering thoughts. They don't have those desires that aren't being fulfilled. They don't have, yeah. you know, these other things that aren't even identified for some people because we're so caught up in the race of life. You know, we're so caught up in the, in the, in the rat race, uh, even as entrepreneurs. So it's a whole so, other yeah, game so for entrepreneurs. It's, it's a whole nother game for entrepreneurs. We're busy on so many different levels. And, uh, and it, it behooves us to have that, like that check-in. And, you know, you can check in with a meditation. You can check in with a, with a journal. You can check in with a walk. You know, all these different things where it's like, go for a walk and don't listen to music. You know, like, go for a walk, don't listen to a podcast. You're constantly getting so much input, you know, throughout the day, constantly. You know, you're, you're, you're working, you're getting input from bosses or clients or whatever. You're getting more input from news or whatever you're watching, whatever social media is telling you. You know, we're constantly being inundated with information. So when it's time to just like relax and let go, let's just stop the information flow for a little bit. And let's just let ourselves express ourselves a little bit. And that's where a big a big shift can occur. And, you know, when someone, and it doesn't have to be every day, but once a week checks in with themselves, like 30 minutes, uh, they're going to see a huge improvement on their sleep. So when you say, when you say check in with themselves, Mm -hmm. is that, do you just mean like stillness? It can be quietness, but it can also be like, ask yourself these questions. Um, yeah, reflective. So it can either be quietness or reflective in nature. That's one thing that we don't do enough of, I think, in our society is reflect. We don't, we don't reflect on things. We don't think about things. We think about things in, a, in almost a detrimental way sometimes because we're, we're thinking about something and how we can use that something for something else. And yeah. we're not ever just thinking about the one thing. And we're also not thinking about our days. We're not thinking about, you know, okay, is this direction the right direction for me? Or is this just the right direction that other people are doing? And mm. those, are, those are deep, deep questions that I think yeah. some people skip over. And, uh, and that can lead to a little bit of uneasiness. So, and if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably more uh, adept to asking yourselves these questions yeah. just because, you know, you created a business of some sort or a passion. And so you had to figure that stuff out. So there is right. some sort of reflection built into that. But if you're working a nine to five and you're, you know, you're not working towards your own passion and you haven't figured that out, um, then that's even going to, that's even going to impact your sleep even more because again, right. constantly being inputted. And you don't have that time to, to output and you don't have that time to express yourself. And then, mm. and then it can come out in ways where it's like angry or rageful or vengeful or, you know, where you feel like a, a big problem that I see with people is they don't know how to express them, their, their emotions and their thoughts. And so all of these things stay internalized and keep you from 
peace and calmness and steadiness and 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 connected right you're not as connected with with yourself and when you're connected with yourself man you can you can accomplish so much more and 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 feel better about it when you say connected with yourself because i know i know there's a lot of people that at some point in time will listen to this and like some people don't really understand what being connected to yourself really means Mm. because of a lack of like self-awareness maybe Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe, maybe being connected to yourself may, may, might be self-awareness in, in its true meaning. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, what, mm-hmm. do you, what would you say, like, how would you describe being connected to yourself, to people that don't understand that? So connected with yourself is, is, a, is a level of awareness. Yeah, it's, it's a, a level of awareness of what uh, you are working towards. and what your ultimate desires and goals are and like understanding of yourself understanding of yourself yeah you really um being connected to yourself is is almost like whenever you come up against a problem right because we all face problems we all face fires we all we all have these right so when someone is connected with themselves, um, when they face a problem, they don't seek to solve the problem right away. They first will actually internalize the problem and say, okay, how is this problem a reflection of what I've been doing? Whereas mm. someone who isn't connected with themselves <laughs> won't do that. They'll say, oh, there's a problem. Yeah. Whose fault is it? Right. That has a high correlation of self-awareness. Right. Personal responsibility, basically. Personal, yeah, personal responsibility. It's because, like, these things, they don't just happen willy-nilly. They don't just happen, you know, everyone likes to think that things just happen to us and that we're not in control of those things. But we know, we know, science proves this to us, that, you know, we are 100% responsible for, for our reaction to what happens to us, at the very least. And so at the very least to the reaction of what happens to us, if not what actually happens to us and someone who has that more connected to themselves, more centered way of living when something happens, they don't, they don't like, they don't look to see whose problem it was or who caused it or whose fault it is. They first seek, you know, like, what is the lesson here? Like how, how can I learn from this? Right. What, where, where can I grow? And that's like being truly connected is you're all, you're constantly evolving. You're constantly growing and you're humble enough to know that you don't know everything because yeah. you've connected with yourself and you know, you know, truly and not in any sort of like, you know, degrading way, but you know, your faults, you know, your strengths, you know, your weaknesses, you know, your, your touch points. And when you're more aware of those things, when someone point, when, it, when someone pokes you with a stick, and hits one of those those gentle spots, you know those those uh, those pressure points. You could say um, you're much more able to um, just be with it, and it's it's a it's a liberating experience when you're not yeah. constantly allowing others to dictate your current reality, to dictate yeah. your feelings and your emotions. You know, so many people let other people control them, and they don't even know it. And so that's, that's what being connected to yourself is. 
Yeah, that was a lot. Holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah it's like, a, it's, it's, and it's hard to like, there's so many different ways to like say it, which is obviously why that just happened. Yeah. Like, like it's uh, ultimately what I'm hearing is like a big conversation between like personal responsibility versus victimhood or self-awareness versus complete unconsciousness which are kind of the same thing just like different just different yeah like you know and and it's crazy like it's like how do i describe this yeah it's like a bunch of different multi-layered multi-faceted aspects of life that ultimately make up like your what I would, I guess I would say is your spirituality. Um, Cause I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, but like the, um, everything you just said about, um, what was it? Um, how was it? The word that we were trying to just define. Oh, uh, connectedness or awareness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Connect, yeah, yeah. Connectedness with yourself. Like it's just, you know, like that, that to me, what everything that we just talked about is what makes up like spirituality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like self-awareness, um, understanding yourself, even if you don't believe in like a religion or whatever, mm-hmm. like, I think like the, for, to me at least like spirituality is at the very core, like the relationship you have with like self mm. and, and like where, like who, you know what I'm saying? And from like, if we're talking about mind, body, and like spirit, it's mm-hmm. like spirituality. Spirituality is by far the hardest to like explain to somebody because I feel like it's like the oh, yeah. last, it's the last um, leg of the chair that someone mm-hmm. like gets to, I guess. That's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It, it is. It's so I think here as a spiritual being having human existence uh i think that our goals uh in life are to expand because i think when it comes to spirituality i think that there is so so this there's there's a lot that goes into this and i don't know this might not be exactly what we intended with this conversation but i'm just gonna (laughs) ride with it so exactly so there is a part of the brain that inherently deals with the fact that we are conscious and that we are consciously aware of death, right? So human beings, for the best of our knowledge as scientists, are the only animal in existence that understand from a very young age, you know, four or five years old, maybe a little older, that mm. we are going to going die. To die. That's like, we are going yeah. to die. We know this, right? And so the brain is so incredible. There's a portion of the brain that specifically deals with this issue and helps us not go crazy. Because if you think about it, knowing that you are going to die should create unlimited amounts of anxiety, stress, and fear but yet we are able to still function. We are able to still have conversations and fear does not completely run our lives. Yes, it, it, it runs a lot of our lives, but not completely. And you know, again, there's levels. Some people fear completely r- runs their lives. Some people fear really doesn't have any impact. So, but there's a part of our brain that specifically shuts off 
that fear of death, essentially. Now, they did studies, and they retroactively, artificially uh, activated that part of the brain that was believed to be uh, this portion of the brain that deals with our impending doom, with our demise. And what they found through experiments of stimulating this part of the brain was that this is the same region of the brain that helps us interpret spiritual uh, experiences. So it, it, it's not where they occur or whether or not they occur. It's just the part of the brain that helps us interpret it. So when they fired up this portion of the brain for people, every single one of them, and they were you know, devout, devout religionalists and atheists also is like people who believed in God, some people who didn't believe in God, right? And this is key. So they stimulated this part of their brain and every single one of them felt a presence in the room outside of themselves. Yeah. And that's powerful, right? That there's a part of our brain that actually connects with a feeling that we're not alone right? That we're, that there's someone else here. Mm. So that's the same part of the brain that you spoke of previously. Before. That, yeah. So it's the same part that allows us to not be crippled by the thought of death. Right. Okay. So it's the same part. So they're intertwined. So they're connected, right? So this feeling, mm. this knowing that we are dying, plus this knowing that there's more to life than just our physical body exists in right. the same region of the brain. Mm. So I think that, you know, when you look back on history and you look back on means and forms of control and things like that, I think that there have been people that have specifically knew this about us and knew that, you know, we have this fear of death and that at the same time, it's in the same portion of the brain that believes in more, believes that there's extra levels of spirit in this universe. And so... They were like, you know what, let's harness this and let's form a belief system that helps people deal with this. And also, see, this is a big thing when it comes to religion for me is that religion keeps you working. <laughs> does. I agree. If you boil it down, what is the one thing that religion does mostly? It tells you straight up, every religion. What, what to do. It tells you. Listen, you're screwed. Don't you're be an asshole. Earth. You're on earth, you know? Like, don't be an asshole. And if you don't be an asshole and follow me, if you follow my religion, when you die, you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to wherever the religion says you're going to go. And so now you don't have to worry about the afterlife. You don't have to worry about connecting to your spirit. You don't have to worry about meditating or you know, trying to figure out why you're here on earth. I just answered that for you. You're here to suffer and then you're going to be in heaven as long as you're a good person. And so what that does is that then shifts what I, what I attribute. See, I think that, like you said, you know, the three legs of the, of the, of the chair, I like that analogy, right? So we're here to understand our body, right? We're here to fully maximize our body as humans to really greatly understand and maximize our mind and then to connect and understand spirit. So with religion, you take out that third chair. And so now people really only mm. have to focus on their physical and their mind. Yeah. 
And so now that's all crazy, that time, bro, because that's crazy because dude, so many people who are highly religious and I totally have respect for people that are very religious. I believe in a higher power. I'm not necessarily religious. My family to some extent is blah, blah, blah. That's besides the point. Mm -hmm. um, it's crazy. Like whenever, like I, if I brought up the term religion, they start going into like, or excuse me, spirituality. They start shooting into like religion mode. Yeah. Because they think that that is what like spirituality is because they've been like, they've had this, like this crystal That's what they've been told. Awe. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. And, um, or it's, it's, in, it's highly interesting from my point of view now, like, and you just said, like, it, it's almost like that, that third leg of a stool has been removed because they, they're like leaning on this, this, um, like this story that, or this belief system that has been written down in a book and all this stuff and but like yeah and i think that i don't know it's it's like a it's like once again we're in this like big ball of yep. like concepts that are i feel like some like purposely hard to like put together like i don't think it's supposed to be like this oh that's the meaning of life that's what spirituality is like i feel like right. that would be like totally against like that that would be kind of like i don't know i can't explain that either like you know what I'm saying? yeah i i think that this is like this is what we're here to do right where you got to fit right. first you got to master the physical right because if you can't move and you can't get to places you need to get to that's you know you go from crawling to walking right so yeah the first years are very physical and then you start to dive into the mind and understand you know like how the mind works and then eventually right. you get to the portion where the spirit starts to move in and then and then that's when you can start working on that but see that's that's the thing when you are designing a society right right let's when you're designing like a perfect society and mm. you're a king or you're someone in power right because you're the one designing how do you keep yourself right. at this lofty position well, everyone else has to stay beneath you. And how do you keep people beneath and behave. you? <laughs> and behave. How do you keep people? Well, they need to work so that you can have the things that you want and then they can have the things that they want, right? So they have to right. work. How do you get people to work? Well, you tell them that they don't have to focus on one of these whole pegs. So you alleviate the need to focus on it. So now they have all this extra free time and now they can just work. Right. So instead of working towards your ultimate goals, which is, you know, trying to figure, you know, trying to connect with your spirit and become enlightened and have a more connected life and all of these things. Now you're thrust into working and being told, hey, you don't have to worry about that. We got you covered. And you believe them. You, you say, OK, yeah, you guys, this sounds like a good story. This is believable. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to believe you. I'm going to have faith. And that's the thing. They always speak about faith as if, you know, faith is, uh, is, 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 uh, is a linchpin to truth. Right? And that if you don't have faith, then you know, yeah, what, what's the point of living? And it's like, I have faith. Uh, I think everyone has faith in something. And the 
but faith and blind and blind obedience are two completely different things, right? Faith Mm. tells you to ask questions. Faith invites you to be curious and to want to know. And that's the one thing I don't think religion does. Religion does not invite you to be curious and it does not invite you to ask questions because the, anytime I ask someone who is in that line of thinking a question, they don't, they they don't have the answer. They have everything figured out. Yeah. They have it. Yeah. And, 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 they, and you can see they don't even ask themselves the question. That's where I think that's the detriment of having a belief system that is immovable is that, okay, you won't even ask the question. And I think that that's, that's just any system in place that tells you to stop asking questions is not a system that you should have. It's just, it's outdated. It's, it's unable to evolve. Why would you hold on to something right. that can't evolve? Right? right. You know, like if you were born as a baby, would you want the baby to be a baby for the rest of their lives? No, it'd be <laughs> miserable. Like you, yeah, you'd be yeah. taking care of a baby for 50 years, a hundred years. Like yeah. that would not be a fun time. Yeah. And that's essentially what, what we're doing. Um, is that we're taking care of this baby and needs to be coddled. It needs to be, told that it's right it needs to be you know you have to have faith in it you can't ever question it and it's like it's like religion is this little baby that we have to keep as a baby and it can't evolve and it can't grow and it can't change and i don't think that's i I don't think that that's a that's a good system to to believe in you know i mean it's it's almost like it's um it's um not allowing the individual to expand like we talked about earlier, because especially from a spiritual, and we could, we could go back and forth about whether religion is actually spiritual or whatever. I guess, I guess you could say it is. Um, but like the whole, like we said earlier, we want as, as beings, we want to expand on an ongoing basis. And I can remember when I was younger, when I would be at church for X, Y, and Z reasons, when I was like really young, yeah, like I was just like, and I can even, I didn't even realize it then consciously, like at that time, but looking mm-hmm. back on it now, it's just like, you're standing there and you're just like, everyone, this is like, it's like, everyone just is just like responding to what was something that they were told is true. And it's crazy. Like a lot of people who are in my family or are close to my family who are highly like religious in terms of Christianity, Catholic, et cetera, et cetera, specific religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they believe that, that you as an individual are supposed to believe in a, like the specific things that your family or the people that birthed you or brought this life to you believed and that like they it's just like that's it and it's like <laughs> it's like i it doesn't make any sense because that person's never had the opportunity to even consider what's on the other side of that door yeah that's like being in a box your whole freaking life yeah and it's the same box that your dad was in and the same box that they were in or you know if if you're not you know yeah. uh 
maybe you don't come from it. Maybe you, you know, or maybe you switch or, or whatever, but you know, mm-hmm. you're trading in one box for another box yeah. and it's not, it's not, don't, don't go to church or don't follow religion. There is so, and the most powerful portions of religion is that there is so much truth in the Bible. There's right. mo- so, there's so much truth. Agreed. And there's so there's, it is written on a bed of truth. Like there is a lot of spiritual knowledge that you can find in the Bible. There's a lot of spiritual knowledge, knowledge you can find in the Quran. There's a lot of spiritual knowledge you can find in any example of historic religionist texts. Um, That's, that's not the point. The point is, is that there are even portions in the Bible that if you, uh, if you investigate this to people that they, they're not even practicing themselves. And that's, I think, where that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the catch is like, it's great. That's so true. That's the dude. Catch is a lot of what the Bible speaks of the print, like the principles, not like mm-hmm. this, like there's stories and stuff. A lot of like, like principles that people talk about from the Bible and stuff. They're just a reflection of like what spirituality really is. And like principles that are like, sound principles but -hmm. a lot of people who are highly 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 religious like you said they don't reflect those principles at all whatsoever in a lot of cases yeah it's like like almost like a blinder is potentially in front of their eyes for some for some people yeah and that's not the fault of the bible that's fault that's the fault of the people interpreting the bible to the people that are listening to that interpretation right right? and it's like it's like go read it for yourself and figure out, you know, like contemplate it. It's it's a it's an excellent exercise, you know, and not just the Bible. Any any long old text that talks about spirituality in any sense of the case, it's uh it's meant to be re- re- read and then internalized. Like okay, mm. how yeah. like how does this make me feel? What do I feel like I would do in this situation? Right, like that's that's the reason why it's it's written so allegorical and and in the story mode and it tells about all these conflicts and and issues and things because it's giving you a bunch of examples to throw yourself into it's like here is a uh opportunity to you for you at a young age right because i think that's the idea behind it is at a young age to run a bunch of different simulations it's almost like a, like a feedback loop. It's like, hey, like, what would you do in this situation? Well, you have to think in that, in that term. You have to be like, you have to read something and then say, oh, I wonder what I would do. Or it has to hit you in that way. And I don't think that people read the Bible in that sort of way. They don't, I don't know. The, it's so, all right, religion. <laughs> Sleep religion (laughs) yeah right oh no but seriously you said that last thing it's it sounds and it seems when someone who is highly religious speaks of the bible in my direction Mm -hmm. it sounds as if they're not using it as a guidance tool more as a validation of their religion Mm. (laughs) you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i'm just like okay cool but like what else 
a huge example of this too is I, I came across a TEDx. So I'm constantly seeking information. I have a lot of Always. opinions about a lot of things. And <laughs> I love history, uh, clearly. And I love our connection to the past. So I'm always looking at uh, different interpretations and how people perceive things and, and what we're finding right. out. And so it was this TED Talk about, um, about being gay and what that has to do with the Bible. And right. I've, again, this is off the top of my head. I believe that they, these two people were, are Bible scholars who are devout in their religion, but see all these people that are gay bashing and they're Christians. So they have to hate gay people and yada, yada, yada. And they're, they're, they're telling you that is not in the Bible at all. Like there's no point in which they isolate being gay and they say that is a sin. Now there's two points in which homosexuality comes into the Bible, two, two stories, two examples, the entire Bible. So it's like, I didn't even know that. I thought that it was going to be a lot more, you know, I thought it was going to be a lot more talked about in the Bible because of how prevalent it is in today's society and how many people use the Bible as a, as an example of why they believe what they believe. And it, one of the, one of the instances was, uh, had to do with Sodom and the fact that this person, uh, had escaped and sought refuge in this person's house. Right. And the entire village is, is pissed and comes to that person's house and says, I, I, uh, we need, we need this person. He's trespassing. We need this person. And they specifically say that they're going to gang rape him. Mm. Right. And so that's looked at as a sin and well, duh, that's not, that's not homosexuality. That's gang, that's gang rape. That's a completely different thing. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. men fucking a man, but it's still, that's not the issue that's being sin, being a sin. It's, yeah, and it's, right. and the person is in the house who is so, the person who's defending this person is, is so against it that he offers his two virgin daughters to the mob. He literally says, you can take my two daughters as payment. So then he goes around and says, y'all can just gang rape my, my two girls. So like of all of the things that is wrong with that story, yeah, homosexuality is not even a thing. It's not even part of what's wrong with that. So it's like, but, but you know, you talk about homosexuality in the Bible and they say, oh, it's a sin. And it's like not one point in the Bible do they talk about yeah. it as a sin. It's sin when you're gang raping people. Okay. Well, that's another level of sin than, <laughs> yeah. than having consensual sex with another person of your same sex. That's not, it's not even the same ballpark. Right. Yeah. So it's like misinterpretation, misinterpretation. I mean, that's one of my goals in life too, is, is to, you know, study these historical texts and learn how to translate them myself because mm-hmm. yeah. I have come across so many different mistranslations and you know even one of the the most uh meaningful meaningful uh sayings that you come from the bible asking you shall receive is incomplete and not the full translation the full translation is like uh ask from the position of having already received and the gifts shall be showered upon you 
which is more uh, like manifestation powers. Right, yeah. It's more like see the goal and feel it and then ask for it and then you'll get it. And that's completely different than asking you shall receive. Asking you shall receive is like, okay, I'm going to pray for it. I pray for a million dollars. No, you're not going to get anything. <laughs> you're not going to get shit. You're not going to get shit, yeah. So, so yeah. So, there's, that's, that's why I like talking about this stuff is because there is, I don't know, just a general misunderstanding. And, you know, if we're going to believe in a system that's two, 3,000 years old, which almost all religions are, um, we should at least believe in what was written mm. and what, you know, instead of interpretations and um yeah there's just a lot there's just a lot out there um yeah there's a lot, lot that out patrick there. there's a lot that patrick looks up and studies and <laughs> yeah i guess so we should we should get you starting the uh how do you pronounce your last name again dean we need to start the dean nicola uh school of everything and uh hey man <laughs> i'm on board yeah yeah so yeah. yeah we went from sleep to somehow seamlessly getting to that which was kind yeah. of crazy um but it was cool there's like a, a ton of things that we could talk about we could talk about tai chi which we talked about the other week on the phone we could talk about yeah. your experience with ayahuasca which i'm leaning towards which i because that was like Okay. That's something that I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's specifically how it can be used to elevate the experience that we call life, whatever. Um, what else are we talk about? We could talk about blue light blocking glasses, which we'll probably stray away from because we've already done that on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could talk about a whole plethora of things. Yeah, earthing. Like, earthing is a good one that we can talk about. Earthing, yeah, 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 yeah. Earthing. So, yeah, why don't we, why don't we, because that's something that's very interesting and I haven't committed to but I've experienced it a couple of times since you first talked about it with me. Okay. And um, there's definitely something to be said for sure. Yeah. About what did it like the concept and like what happened? Like, right, I guess you have to describe it to everyone listening first. Cause I'm, I don't yeah. know. Like, so what so is earthing? Yeah, yeah. What is earthing? Earthing is a very simple practice of connecting your feet, hands, body to the earth, to the actual <laughs> solid earth. So it's really easy. Um, but the reason why, one, uh, I speak about it, and it is one of the main pillars of my practice and helping people sleep and helping them energize their days and, and, and achieve so much. And, and so what we have learned in the past 20 years is that the earth generates uh, this field of negative ions and that by connecting your feet or your hands or your body to the earth, you can connect to those negative ions that are releasing up and absorb them into the body. Now, antioxidants are commonly referred to by, you know, people who know about nutrition as, you know, one of the main things that we want to focus on when it comes to yeah. health, longevity, dealing with illness and sickness, right? And the reason why antioxidants are so popular and why they've become popular today in, in our society is that they do, they serve one very specific function. And what the function is, is that the cell, as the cell constantly brings in fat and sugar and turns it into energy to then energize the cell and thus energize the body, 
one, what it does is as it gets less proficient, so as it does this over and over and over again, it's constantly doing this. It does it a million times a minute, right? So it's constantly doing this. And as it does this more and more and more, it begins to produce what is now called a free radical. So through this an engine, essentially, there, there disperses a free radical. And what is a free radical? A free radical is essentially a singular electron that was produced through some sort of byproduct. So it's kind of looked at as a damaged electron. It's looked at as a damaged electron. And what do electrons love? They love to be paired off. They love to be connected to something else. So electrons don't like being by themselves. So when this electron spits out of the engine, it immediately does not like its existence and it seeks to pair off with another electron. So then it goes into the cell, pokes a little hole in the cell and takes an electron from the cell. So this damages the cell on a very small scale. But mind you, it's constantly producing more and more free radicals, which are doing the same thing, right? So how do we get, so, how do we get to this point though? So, so the, mach- the, the machine that you're speaking of, mm-hmm. how do we get to the, how do we, can you reiterate? Because that was a little bit confusing. So yeah. how, does, how does the free radical come to existence through what you just called the, mach- uh, the machine? The process, right? So the, so the cell takes in the, the carb or the, or the fat, so and just it, from living everyday life. Just from see, living, it's, yeah. It's, it's, the machine it's constantly is pumping these bad boys out. Right. So the machine is constantly pumping out energy for the gotcha. cell. And as it does this more and more, it produces free radicals. And then you can look at, okay, what is the source of the energy? So a good fat versus a shitty fat or a good carb versus a shitty carb. The idea is that the crappier your food is, the more free radicals you're going to produce. Right. right, because the engine is not running on good quality energy. It's running on shitty quality energy. So it's going to produce more byproducts. And so the more byproducts it, uh, it produces, eventually the cell becomes overwhelmed and the cell dies. This is known as aging. It's, it's essentially what aging is, right, is free radical buildup, damaging the cell, causing the cell to die. And then that's just on a macro scale, that's what causes us to die is, is mm-hmm. this free radical buildup. So antioxidants are cool because they can go in and help pair off these free radicals so that the free radicals aren't damaging the cells. So it can help prolong the life of a cell. But the, the one thing with, free, with antioxidants is that it's like throwing a pond in the ocean. I mean, a, a, a pebble in the ocean. <laughs> it's like a pond in the ocean. That would be, that that would be great. Crazy. Hey, wow. Uh, that's, yeah. that's some spiritual shit right there. Yeah, right. A pond Fathom in that. the ocean. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like throwing a pebble in the ocean. It helps, but it's not like it's very, it's very minimal. And no matter how many antioxidants you consume, let's say you consume a million antioxidants in one day, which is impossible. Uh, but let's say you do. Uh, your body is producing so many more free radicals than those million antioxidants can handle. And they don't help your body deal with it in any other natural way. They just quell the free radical. They don't help your body produce less of them or anything like that. So they just quell those free radicals one to one. So they're helpful, but they're not a cure. So what's another helpful practice is when you connect to the earth, these negative ions get absorbed into the body. And they act like antioxidants. They go into the cells 
and they quell these free radicals. Now, these free radicals, you know, depending on one person versus the next, they increase inflammation in the body, they increase the acidity of the body, and these are the symptoms of a greater, a, a greater illness. And these, over time, without properly identifying them and getting yourselves proper nutrition, yada, 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 all these healthy practices, will eventually lead to some sort of illness. And these illnesses are known as chronic illnesses. So chronic illnesses, things like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, all of these things, they're all caused by the same thing. They're all caused by buildup of free radicals, increasing inflammation in the body, and then the body trying to deal with that and that sort of combustion causing an illness. So that's how cancer develops. That's how heart disease develops. That's how not necessarily genetic disorders, but sometimes through the buildup of this inflammation and higher levels of free radicals, certain gen genes will be turned on and you can develop a genetic disorder later in life because of inflammation. So this is like the, the modern health crisis because 90% of illness is a chronic illness. Mm. Okay. 90% of illness. It's not, you know, traumatic injury, infectious disease. Those are not chronic. Everything else is chronic. Cancer, it's, it's a chronic illness. You don't catch cancer, right? You don't catch heart disease. It's not something that can be caught, and it's not something that happens overnight. It's caused right. by imbalances in the body. So by grounding, you can help lower your inflammation and help with any of these illnesses that you have. But then also, there's a uh, energetic aspect to it. So if you go and you ground during the day, the body needs energy. So the, the grounding will help flood your body with more energy. If you go ground before bed, the body will know that it needs to relax because it's night out, yada, yada, that it mm -hmm. needs to let go. So it will help dissipate your thoughts and allow for you to uh, fall asleep more easily. So this is how the practice is. And it was only discovered 20 years ago. But if you think about it like this, why do we have to go out and ground? What, aren't we always touching the earth? Aren't we always getting this ion-ion right. exchange? And the truth is, is that no. Since the 1900s, we have been disconnected from this source because we developed rubber. Rubber is one of the only known sources on the earth. It's man-made, obviously, but it's only the only yeah. ways to disconnect you, disconnect you from something electrical, right? So it's a, it's a rubber, to rubberize something is to insulate something from right. any electrical current. So we put it in our roads. We put it in our buildings. We have it on our, on our cars. We wear it on our feet. So we can go, and in a city like I, I live in New York City, we can go our entire lives. Someone born in the 20th century could go their entire lives without actually connecting with the earth. <laughs> Wearing shoes constantly, in cars, you know, if they never go to the beach, then where's their opportunity to take their shoes off and sit in the, sit in the grass? Who's, you know, who's going to just like want to do that? Not everyone's built that way. And so right. you have people in the 21st century who are technically spacemen, even though they've never left Earth. But they have never been connected with Earth. 
they have always had some form of rubber or insulation in between them and the connection with the earth. Yeah. And why is this, and why is this important outside of all the other science that I just said for hundreds of thousands of years, humans evolved with this connection. We evolved with this connection to the earth. The only things that we wore on our feet were leather, you know, things from animals and none of those are insulated. None of those disconnect us from the earth. So when you're wearing like leather shoes and they don't have any rubber in them, you're still, you're connected to whatever surface you're touching. So if that surface is the earth, then you're going to be receiving these, this transmission. You're going to receive these, these essential parts of our being that we have since the 1900s completely disconnected ourselves from unknowingly. We didn't know this. So then you look at 1900s, what happened in the 1900s? So we radically, oh. Dude, holy shit. I thought you fell. Dude, oh, you thought because I of the fell? background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> holy shit. That's okay. wild. Dude, you're. Mm. Stay. That was crazy. Because um, the background, yeah. it looked like you. <laughs> it looked like you totally got sucked into the earth. And just oh, like, yeah. All right, it's not, wow. this, is, this is not happening. Holy All right, crap. here we go. I'll use this. All right, so. Uh, my, my stomach actually dropped when that happened. I was like, holy no shit. No way. What happened really? to him? I thought like <laughs> the chair came out from under you or something. That's funny. Um, so, so, yeah, so when you look at, you know, when we introduced rubber, we also bastardized our food and we invented the light bulb. You've had someone on here in the past speak about the radiation emitted from the light and how it fucks with our hormones yeah, and our Evan internal Transu. clock shout and all Evan of Transu. that. Yeah, Evan, shout out, shout out, Evan. Educating, educating, bringing awareness. Educating um, youth. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then we, you know, we, we went to sugar and, 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 you know, all these consumable products of food. We stopped eating good plants and vegetables and even animals from the earth we started you know like so our food is bastardized and then and then we disconnected ourselves unknowingly from this connection of the earth and look what happens in the early 1900s what becomes number one killers heart disease what was the number one killers infectious disease so we got really good medically at dealing with infection dealing with the bacterial infection we developed antibiotics in the early 1900s we became really good at dealing with trauma, saving people from bullets, uh, you know, and, and, and accidents. And, uh, and we got really good at, at childbirth. But then, out of nowhere, who knows where, uh, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with all these things that we stopped doing and shifted. Uh, we developed all these chronic illnesses. And so now heart attack is a number one killer. And, you know, high cholesterol is a killer. And all these issues... Gotcha. That those issues didn't exist 200 years ago. Cancer? People, you really think cancer was around 200 years ago? No, it wasn't. It's hard to tell empirically, but if you just use your process of elimination and your thinking mind to, to say, okay, what are, the, what are the environmental aspects of cancer? What are we doing today that's different than 200 years ago? And it's almost everything. Almost everything we do is different. We have our own form of light that isn't a candle. Think of how impactful that is. 
We walk on rubberized shoes and we don't connect with the earth. Something that our ancestors, even 100, 150 years ago, they grew up their entire lives never not being connected. So they don't even know what it's like to be human. We're a completely different species than those people because we're not connected to this thing that has literally surrounded and encompassed every human being up until the 1900s. Everyone was connected. Everyone had access to this. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, to me, that's huge. To me, that's like, yeah, dude, this is, this is, this is why, this is why we're so sick. This is why, you know, and it's all feedback loop. It's like the less sleep you get, which uh, increases your appetite, then you're more likely to eat, eat more. And then you're also more likely to eat crappy. So then you eat crappy, so then you gain weight and then you gain weight and then you're less likely to move your body. You're less likely to go outside to get sunshine and, and, and work out and exercise, you know? And so then again, because of all that, now you're more less likely to eat well. So then it's like all this, all this feedback. And it's, it's like, listen, there are very simple things that you can do. Go ground for a little bit. Watch how that reduces your inflammation. If you have arthritis and you're not grounding once a day, you're missing out on a chance to cure your arthritic symptoms completely. They have shown that 10 to 15 minutes of earth ground connection in one day will help alleviate arthritic symptoms almost completely because of how it reduces inflammation. And they've done studies on circulation and the, ex, the nutrient absorption of the muscles and the body versus someone who's grounded and someone who isn't grounded. And they can even show you pictures of the different uh, colors of the body. So like someone who isn't grounded, they have some blue hues and, you know, on, the, on, the, on the heat generation you know where you can see where heat is and where heat exists in the body right so they're blue bluish on the face and you know they have some some red here in the chest but then the arms are you know white to bluish and things like that and then they ground for 10 minutes and then their whole body is red that to me speaks to how healthy it is it's better to have your 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 system to move to move you want it to move Stagnation, I use this analogy all the time. We're mostly water, right? Mm-hmm. Right? We're 70, yeah. 80% fluid. What happens when you go into nature and you see a pond that is still? Or if you have a pool and you don't clean it for a week, what happens to that water? Dirt. It gets oh, gross. Just gross, dirty. It gets dirty, it gets gross. You know, the infections, right? Uh, known as different animal, different insects and algaes will start growing in it, right? And all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but then yeah. look at fluid water. Look at the ocean. Look at, look at rivers, right? What's, what's different? It's clear. You know, there are certain parts of the ocean that are so incredibly clear, you can see all the way down for hundreds of feet. Yeah. So what does that tell That tells you that that is a moving organism that is not stagnated enough to allow for that illness to spread that grossness Mm. to spread right it's impossible to be dirty and be moving inherently the moving causes the dirt to lift and move 
right? Think about like just gotcha. moving yeah. water around yeah. in a dirty pan, right? <clears throat> you're getting dirt off of the wall, even, even though you're not touching the wall, you're just moving the water, right? So movement creates this, uh, to me, this, this, this whole cure. And the, the cure is stagnation. Like we are stagnant species. We go for the easy thing. We, we, we order out, we sit on the couch, we watch movies. We, you know, we're yeah. constant, we're not moving and, uh, and we're not connected and we're not, and you know, that's, there's a lot that we're not doing, but yeah. It's almost like we're simulating like death in a way. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, kind of like fucked up, but like, it's kind of like, you know, who you are is who you'll be like, who you, if you want to become something, you have to be that person. Right. Yep. It's kind of like the opposite. If, you know, if, if I am emulating someone who is just not full of life, I guess I would say, mm -hmm. it seems logical that that person is bringing, uh, manifesting into their life through different things, like the reality that is uh, a reality that is closer on the spectrum of realities to death mm -hmm. or... Yep. Yeah, just death. Period. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we see this with the placebo effect, and most people know about right. the placebo effect. But what some people don't know is that there's an opposite to that side of the spectrum. There's also the nocebo effect. So the nocebo effect is the exact opposite of the placebo effect. So okay. placebo is the positive, and nocebo is the negative. So there are some people that are so so convinced that they're screwed that they're going to die or whatever they're facing right that they're so lodged in that that <laughs> even <die>. if you <laughs> that even so this is the crazy thing that even if you if if you could invent a cure that worked a hundred percent of the time it would only work 80 to 75 percent of the time even if like logically you created it to work 100% of the time. It wouldn't work on almost a third of the population in the opposite of the placebo. Because in their mind, these, this 25 to 30% of people don't care what the science says. They don't care how many people have cured from it. Maybe they don't even want to be alive, but they will take that and it will not work. Yeah. So it's the opposite of the placebo. The placebo effect is you know, you take a water pill and you cure yourself of cancer. And it's like, how the hell did he do that? And it's like, well, because his belief you started was being enough. that person. Yeah, you started you st being that person. You started doing things that were very similar to things like earthing that, that actually then created biologically these different changes in your, in your, in your physical, like this is the, this is why the, the thought like thoughts and like your mind is so powerful like you just, you just spit, you just, you just, you just said it like all the placebo versus no, nocebo, like what you think will always be come your reality. Mm -hmm. Even if like, and people, and people write this shit off because they think, oh, well, how, how can you just think something and then it manifests itself? Well, that's not the point. The point is you think thoughts and then you start becoming the type of person that gets closer to that reality, meaning that you start acting in a way that results in little micro actions that you don't even realize on the conscious level 
that bring you closer to that reality. So for example, if you didn't realize consciously that you started doing things like earthing or eating better because you started, those things started to happen because you thought like the person would think who was healthy and thriving. Yeah. The little micro things that occur because of those thoughts bring you closer to that reality. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, and I, you know, it's, it's like the placebo effect is so powerful, uh, that some, some high percentage of potential pharmaceuticals don't even see the light of day because of the placebo, right? Because science says that in order for the pharmaceutical to be considered for whatever it's being considered for, right. uh, it needs to beat a placebo. And a placebo is a 20%, 20% success rate on anything, on anything. You could, you could come up with a new pharmaceutical today and give it to 1,000 people, and 20% of those people would be healed. Because of their thoughts. Because of their thoughts alone. Not even because of environmental or, or habitual changes or anything like that, just because of their thoughts. Mm. And so this, of course, is a point of frustration for pharmaceutical companies because imagine how many more pharmaceuticals would be inundated in our society if they didn't have to beat that. But they have to beat it. And so a lot of them can't. And, uh, mm. and so then they don't see the light of day. Yeah. Imagine in a world where the placebo and nocebo don't exist and how many drugs would we be taking? Every single person would be on a drug. Every single person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to help it. With the, the, the consumption of drugs in the 80s and 90s and how that, I mean, when I was a kid, they tried to put me on Ritalin. Mm. Thank God. Thank God my parents were like, you're crazy. He's just really smart. <laughs> That's just what they said. Because yeah. I would constantly distract and I would always be doing something, but I'd get all A's. So, yeah. you know, how could you say that there's anything wrong with me? Right. They, wanted yeah. to, they, they were like, yeah. oh, he's got ADHD and uh, all these different things. And it's like, oh, are you a doctor? This is what I was there. I was uh, six years, seven years old. I remember this. My dad was like, oh, are you a licensed, uh, are you a licensed psycho psychologist or a doctor? They said, no, but we think he has this. And he's like, yeah, I'll get my own opinion. Uh, but until then, uh, don't treat my kid any differently because he's smart and can talk during, during school. I'll, I'll work on that with him. But yeah. <laughs> this, isn't a this isn't a drug situation, is what he said. And, yeah. uh, and it just made an impact on me. It's like, for sure. You know, how many kids didn't have a parent like that? That got hooked at a super young age to something yeah. so detrimental. Like Ritalin? Ritalin doesn't even get used anymore because it's so bad. Yeah. But man, um, ayahuasca. Yeah, I guess just like talk about the experience because I uh, I'm, I'm definitely curious about it because we talked about it the other last week I believe and mm -hmm. you told me the story and uh, I'd like you to share it because I, I feel like a lot of people hear this kind of stuff on podcasts and like they'll watch some YouTube's about people talking about the experience which I've done the same thing I've never done ayahuasca um uh definitely super curious about it but like can you just describe the experience um, yeah. and kind of give a little bit of information about it for those who don't have any clue. I mean, I still feel like I don't have any clue what it is. I don't even know like what, like what 
is it. Yeah, so ayahuasca <laughs> is uh, a combination of two herbs that are found in the, not herbs, but plants that are found in the Amazon rainforest. Right. Um, so it's some vine and then the ashwagandha, I mean, not the ashwagandha, the, uh, the ayahuasca. Uh, so the ayahuasca plant is separate from the vine, but the vine is a key ingredient because the vine actually makes the uh, dimethyltryptamine, which gives you the, so dimethyltryptamine is, is created in our brains. And we, I'm not super, so, super sure on all the science, but it's, uh, it's believed that it helps us deal with our dream states. Um, and our brain produces at very low, very low dosages. Like the, it's not very high. And so you can have DMT, which is dimethyltryptamine just by itself, which will, you'll have a, a, an awake dreamlike experience uh, for 10 minutes and it'll be very intense. Um, I've never done it, uh, but I've heard about it. And so that's the same. You mean like straight DMT? Yeah, just straight DMT. So, so doing ayahuasca is not doing DMT. It's this. It's so the psychoactive effects are the same, but it's not even close to the same experience. Got it. So, okay. just doing straight DMT, it'll last like ten, fifteen minutes, I think. And yeah, you'll have this like hallucinogenic, dreamlike effect where you know you'll see a bunch of shit. Whatever. Each person is different, um, but it's very intense. And. Gotcha. Uh, so ayahuasca is a is a brew. Uh, so it is these two things, and it is I don't know how long it's brewed. I want to say days probably, but who knows? Um, and and then you drink it, and so it's done in a ceremonial way. So there's a shaman, a guide, someone to take you through the experience, who shares in the experience with you, and then there's the tribe. So there's the the group of people that are there to do it with you, and each person has their own individualized experience there's not really any talking or anything like that going on i don't even know what it would be like to try to talk during this experience it'd probably be very strange um but <laughs> so the shaman is uh is basically the conductor of the of the experiment and uh so she she starts opening the mine was a she she started opening the ceremony uh, just speaking of what ayahuasca does and how it is a medicine. And so in the Amazon and, and the tribes that uh, pass down this great uh, wisdom to us, uh, use ayahuasca as a medicine to cleanse their body of all toxins so that their physical body could be so, uh, I guess you could say so alkaline and so connected to their spiritual body that they could then uh, access these higher levels of thought and right. uh, experiences spiritually through the psychedelic effects. So anyone who's going to do ayahuasca, it's going to suck at some points, like 100%. So the best way to describe it is that when you first take the ayahuasca, um, maybe 30 minutes in, again, I'm not too sure because my, I didn't have a clock on me or anything, but maybe like 30 minutes to an hour in, uh, you start to go through what's known as the purge. Um, and this is where you purge all of the insides. Like oh, you're, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what is that? What do you mean by purge? You're puking. 
Puking. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it's best when you're going into an ayahuasca ceremony to be very clean, right? So what does that look like? Don't eat a lot of heavy, heavy meats or anything like that leading up to it. So you don't want a high, high protein, uh, like keto diet leading up to an ayahuasca ceremony because right. the proteins in the, in the meat will actually deactivate the dimethyltryptamine. And then also just meat is harder for your body to digest. And so there might be some more leftovers. And so then the purging part might be worse. It might experience, it, it might be more intense, right? The, and, and yeah. you also want to fast going into it to the best of your ability. Again, if you're not someone who's ever fasted before, then you don't have to. Just know that you're going to be puking a lot more. Um, <laughs> the more stuff you have to, to puke, the more stuff you're, the more you're going to puke. And eventually right. you get to the point where uh, you're almost just like dry heaving where you're, you don't do that very long because that would be not fun. Um, you're usually still puking something, but you get into the bare bones of the stomach. Like you could feel it where you're pulling out all the toxins. You start puking and colors start coming out and you see black wow. and yellow and green Damn. and you're like, dang, what is this inside of me? Um, and then you're, you know, this, the, there's another part of the practice where you take, I think it's Palo Santo and, uh, some other herb mm -hmm. and, uh, the shaman blows it up your nose. And this combination is good for cleansing the sinuses. So you immediately like start sneezing and, and coughing and hawking up loogies and you're just draining all of this right well, yeah, yeah yeah uh but then it also it also ignites your focus there's like For a sure, focus yeah, portion of it mm. and so you just like so i'm a meditator I, I i i focus on the breath and so when she did that i immediately went into a meditation i got super deep into a meditation and this wow. was before i took ayahuasca this was before even the ayahuasca part oh so this is all before that shit yeah so you do the oh, wow. nose thing first and then uh maybe 20 30 minutes later you do the drink and then maybe and then, the and, then and then you start yakking <laughs> and then you start yakking uh so for me though it was opposite so i didn't start yakking uh until way later into the ceremony so for me i took the ayahuasca and i don't know why i was different but i took the ayahuasca and maybe 10 minutes later i was in the full spiritual psychedelic experience of, of oh. ayahuasca and um and it was it was it was uh it was fun you know because i was like dang man i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like this uh this yakking and all this stuff and i'm seeing everyone else like puking and i'm spitting and i'm doing that you know because of this portion of it this is all draining yeah. but I'm, I'm not puking yet and then, uh, and then I just, I, I start looking at everything and, uh, it started, it started so, so small. And I would see like, maybe like a, like a circle and then like a circle and a circle and a circle. And it's very, very like not prominent. It's not like someone's writing in a permanent marker in my eyesight. It's like see-through almost like translucent. And if that makes any sense, like, uh, almost like a string that you can see, you know, it's there, but you can barely see it. And so it's almost not gotcha. there. Right. Gotcha. And so I'm seeing that. And, and as, as this whole journey is going on, 
the shaman is singing and <laughs> singing in Spanish and singing in her native tongue and singing in English and just talking and all the songs I speak a little bit of Spanish and so I understood some of the some of the music but it's all about like healing the body and feeling well and this experience and and uh and she and she didn't have a lot of instruments but she had like a like a like a shaker and then um and she would have these like tone pitches and i don't know if this is the same for all shamans or if this is like her her thing and she would she would do this thing with her with her with her tones that would take a note like all the way up here and then all the way down and then in between and she would hang on notes for like long periods of times and do these different things with her sounds that were just amazing and so it was it got to this point with the visuals where i would close my eyes and i would see based on the tone i would see all these different like um circle almost like what are the uh what are those called those uh those paintings uh or uh like uh man i'm losing the 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 thought of what it, what they're called but basically they're really like descriptive circles and squares with like designs in them and so i would see these shapes right and really intricate shapes and they would be one color and of one pattern and then she would shift her note and it would transition into another color and another pattern and then she would hit a higher note or a lower note and it go again and so I'm just, it's almost like a kaleidoscope in my mind right. that I was seeing. It was, wow. it was crazy. And then, so then it would get like to the point where that would become just like a little bit too intense. And so then I'd open my eyes and then I'd open my eyes and then those circles and this sort of like threading became super apparent. And I started, threading? so yeah, it's, so I started to see, and this is the only way I could classify it. I, I, I could start to see the threads of, of, of life, if that makes any sense. Like almost like if you could imagine, again, all of this stuff is going to be really hard for me to convey so yeah, that you can it, understand yeah. it. Um, but almost as if you were in like a thread shop and all around you, were was these was uh, these threaders making uh rugs let's say right so you have all of these strings all around you and it's all leading into one thing and and so so you can see all the strings but because they're so so thin you can still see through the strings gotcha and so then take the strings and turn them clear so that you could still see them almost like three-dimensionally you could see their existence but you couldn't actually see them and so that's what i was seeing i was seeing like the threads that weave together the fabric of the universe right like the, like just like life all like just like as yeah as no. as threads like like all the threads that create a person and then all the threads that create a wall and right. And so that was, so then that became too intense. So then I closed my eyes again and then I'd go into that picturesque kaleidoscope thing, that alternate universe 
it was almost like uh have you ever seen dr strange when he like have you ever seen that movie i think i don't remember i think i think okay. i must have seen it when i was little i don't know okay anyways there's a point there's a there's a point in it where she like awakens his third eye and he like goes to all these other dimensions and sees all these different things that make no sense to the human mind and that's kind of what it was it was just like wow. and uh so then I, I decided to lay down and then when i laid down i just felt this deep connection to the earth and we were inside and it was raining outside we were going to do it outside but then it was crazy raining so we we went inside and as I was laying down, I could almost feel my body sort of like melt into the earth. And as I did that, I could feel the rain on my skin. And it felt as if what was the earth was me and what was me was the earth. And that because the earth was being rained on outside, Oh wow! I could, feel, I could feel it <laughs> on Holy my shit. skin. Like literally I felt raindrops on my body, which was crazy. Cause I, I was, I was like all covered up and wrapped up in everything. So, um, so that was the most connected I've ever been to anything. Um, in that moment to where I could just, I could feel the raindrops on my body. And then, wow. Um, and then eventually I did go through the purge and, uh, that was unfortunate and it, you know, it came out of all the holes, uh, I had to run to the bathroom uh, a few times. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so the good thing is that we all had our own private buckets. We all had our own roll of tissue paper. So we were covered, uh, and eventually it, it did get, it did get pretty bad. And, you know, I felt after the experience, I really did feel like, a new person. I really felt like I had shed quite a bit of, you know, those limiting beliefs, those perspectives right. that are unhelpful. Um, and then physically let go of a lot. Um, I felt like that's, that's the power. And whenever you talk to someone who's gone through this experience or knows about energy and how energy resides in the body and how, you know, the physical is manifested by the energetic and, and, so I felt a lot of shifts energetically through that physical experience. And uh, I think everyone should do it. I, I don't think that yeah. there's a type of person that should hold back. I don't think that there's this. I mean, obviously, if you're, I think the more uh, sort of negative your mind space is too, like, because some people, I think, they feel like they're going to be negative in the experience. They don't want to do it because they're like, Oh, I don't want a bad trip right. or anything like that. Especially like with mushrooms, but with ayahuasca too, I feel like there are people that might have that, that, that perspective. And I would say the more negative you, you feel about yourself or the more negative you feel about the world, the more you should do this experience mm. because it will, it will, let go of all of those things for you. If it forcefully has you puke up symbolically your insides, right? So there's a symbolic meaning behind that. And there, and you feel that symbology, uh, in, you know, you're, you're puking so much, you know, potentially, you know, some people puke a lot. Some people won't puke a lot. Um, you're puking so much that you feel eventually that, you know, parts of you are leaving yourself. And that's very powerful and helpful, I think, because, you know, what, what do you puke up? You puke up the stuff that you don't want. 
you know, it's not like you're puking up the stuff you want. You hold on to that stuff. So you're just letting go of all the bad, all the negative, all the, all the, and that's, that was my biggest takeaway was that I, I did feel like not a new person, but just a little bit, a little bit cleaner, a little bit, a little bit more realized, a little bit more connected. Um, right. And that was only one. Uh, I want to go back and do the whole like month long experience and, and yeah. do it every day kind of thing and see what, see how you turn out after that experience. Yeah. Can you do it? Like, is it, is it rare to only be able to do it like in that one off setting that you were in? Um, I would say that, you know, when you're like a tourist in this, in the, in Central America or stuff like that, they do hold them like that. But my experience was in, uh, Northern California and they flew in a shaman for two nights and, uh, I got there, I got invited on the second night because some people canceled or whatever. And so it just kind of like fell into my lap. So it wasn't very, it wasn't by design on my, on my part. It was just yeah. kind of happenstance. So I would going forward, uh, even though it was a great experience, I would not do it like that again. Uh, obviously if the opportunity presents itself randomly, uh, I might do it again like that, but I'd rather go and do the full experience where you're immersed in the culture, where you're eating the diet for a month, two months, and then you fast for multiple days leading up to it so that yeah. the experience can be a little bit more deeper spiritually at least. Yeah. Wow. That's wild, man. It's definitely something to consider. I mean, I've, I've been – I've listened to some like podcasts of people talking about this and I'm like super, super curious about it. Cause it seems like, like I feel I'm a very like spiritually, a very spiritual person or at least a very, um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like very spiritual person. Um, not, not saying like I, I'm the person that meditates the most. I'm not the person that, mm-hmm. that dives, dives in and reflects the most, but I'm a very spiritual being and I, or I'm like self-aware of the, the, or, you know, the importance and impact of it, I guess, maybe. Um, so it's something that definitely intrigues me. And, um, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's set up a trip, man. Let's go to to Central America. (laughs) We got to set up a trip. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend, uh, go and do it near Machu Picchu, which, so there's, Machu Picchu is in Peru. Okay. Machu Picchu. Look up Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu is incredible. So this is another thing about me. Well, how do you spell it? How do you spell it? M-A-C-H-U. And I'm not sure how to spell it. I'm just sounding it out. Peach, uh, so M-A-C-H-U-P-I-C-H-U, I think is how you spell it. I, I might be wrong, but. Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. And. Um, gotcha. I got it. Yeah. Machu Picchu that looks is this. That looks sick. Yeah, it's this incredible structure on top of these mountains. I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very, very popular, very, very sick. well known. So, yeah, uh, I very much believe in the energies that exist at these certain sacred monuments, um, yeah. and uh, and their confluence with uh, certain electro electro uh, magnetic grid lines so if you don't know this earth has these electrical lines that exist uh north and south and east and west 
and they're dubbed ley lines. And when you cross, when you cross uh, a north, south, and an east and a west, uh, it creates a hot spot of electrical activity. And these hot spots happen to coincide with almost every like megalithic uh, altar, shrine, building, pyramid across the world. They're all interesting annotated to these ley lines and where they cross and they don't cross like a lot they're they're pretty spread out um so the fact that they could find these spots and know where they're at and then build a monument on top of it is also like a question i would love for someone to actually answer um but um when you say ley lines like what 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 created these ley, ley lines like what the electrical they? current of the earth and how do they how do they know where those are Exactly. No, I don't know. I don't know how they know. I know how we know. We know. Why, we can chart I'm saying them. how do we, how we know we can chart them? Yeah, we can chart them because Based they have on, uh, an electrical resonance. Gotcha. Uh, they, they, they're, they're somewhat uh, noticeable on, on different uh, scans of the earth. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's like and, almost like they, like those monuments were put there for like, as like a, as like a, uh, as like a place a to go to experience something this higher energy. yeah this higher level of energy yeah that's Got it. you know that's the that's the guess is like okay they did this so that when they go to these places they could have access to higher energy fields right sure. so then they can meditate deeper or whatever they're doing yeah. or do a deeper ayahuasca trip or whatever <laughs> um and uh, so that's, that's why I was, very, I was very intrigued by my friend going to Machu Picchu and doing it near the site just because I'm sure that there would be a residual effect of, of being close to something like that. And um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot out there that fascinates me. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I love history. I love, uh, I, love, I love the interpretation of history. I, I think that when it comes to history, we don't know shit. And we think we know everything, and that's that's where I have fun is yeah uh, is learning about what we don't know or being able to hypothesize about what we didn't know because we don't know shit. We still don't know how they made the pyramids. We have no idea. Yeah, the pyramids, the pyramids of Egypt. We tried to do it like ten years ago, twenty years ago. We tried to do it and failed miserably on a scale model that was like a, a hundredth of the size, and we failed. It collapsed. Mm. So. Right. With modern technology, too. They, it wasn't like they were trying to do it the way they did it. They just tried to do it. Like, China just tried to do it as hard as they could and failed. They couldn't, they couldn't build a small one? They couldn't build a, a with scale like replica. And shit? With cranes. They couldn't build a scale replica with the same. So this is the thing about the pyramids. Like, they could have built a scale replica that wasn't exactly to scale. But trying to get it exactly to scale is impossible because mind you these corners that they have in the pyramids are within a hundredth of an inch uh the directions that they have so it it face it, it faces the cardinal points and it does so within a, a within a, a a percentage of a degree like the accuracy built into the pyramid is unheard of you we mean don't you, even, you mean it's pointing to certain directions on the earth on the earth and then uh and then like the measurements like they're almost like they're almost identical and a cool thing about the pyramid is that it actually has eight sides so it doesn't have four sides 
So each, each center point down to the middle has another inside. So it's almost like if you see it at the right time, actually just one time a year is this actually visible uh, through shadowing. So you can see it through a shadow where you can see the sides facing themselves. And structurally, this makes no sense. It is far harder to make an eight-sided pyramid than a four-sided pyramid. So engineers. What do you like, mean? What do you mean eight-sided pyramid? I can only show. I can show you. Um, it's like you know. So it's four-sided, right? And then draw a line down the middle of each side, and they're just a little bit off on degree points that they slightly curve in, so that each uh. side has two sides. Is so that, it's is this, yeah, so so each 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 side is like going in towards the middle a little bit towards the middle just a little bit just like this barely. little bit barely yeah. to create Why? the to create this one time a year during the uh, during one of the equinoxes or one of the uh, astrological alignments when the sun is rising over one of the pyramids it creates a shadow on another pyramid that signifies this time. And it shows the two side, the two sides on the one side. Literally, that's the only reason why it shows they, the two sides. Yeah, it shows side. through. Uh, here, I'll I'll pull it up. Let's see if I can. This, this is wild. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to see this. Um, gimme, 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 gimme. There it is. Do you see that? Yeah. Do you see I how? See. It's, so that's the. So it's show. It, it's it's just it's just showing that there's the the shadow is showing that there's two sides to that. That one there's side. the two sides, and that signifies a certain time of year that it only happens once a year. Got it. And so that's what they think is the reason for that because there's no other reason to have that I, I would say that it probably didn't go through all that just to have it be seen once once a year but again there's no but then when you go into the pyramid there are these huge boulders there are 80 to 100 ton blocks which just to give reference point we cannot lift and move hundred ton stones successfully with anything with anything we cannot do it we tried we there's this like i think it's like a 60 or 70 ton stone uh thing that they put in la uh near a museum it's like under a walkway i don't know the specifics of it but we tried to to move that and we broke it once and that was only 70 tons and we tried to move it. And we didn't even try to move it like far or high or anything. We just tried to move it to a new position. And we struggled mightily. They broke like six cranes just trying to move this one boulder. And mind you, this pyramid, 130, 140 feet up, has 100-ton sto stones perfectly weaved into the pyramid so that you, on the outside, you have no idea. The only reason why you can see them is they're fit, snug, in the king's chambers and the queen's chambers, so that those two chambers aren't uh, are are just a few blocks. That's it. 
So you go into these chambers and you say, okay, I feel like I'm going to see the same sort of blocks that I see on the outside, right? Where they're like two feet by one feet and they're maybe like five tons or like a ton, which is still absurd. But that's what we think, right? When we see the pyramid, we feel like it was just built with all these uh, equal sized blocks, like how we would build something. Right, right. That is completely false. Inside the internal structure of the, of the building, there are these huge 60 ton boulders, 70 ton boulders, 80 ton, like there's multiple of them. And the bigger ones make up the, the chambers. So like, not only did they build this thing into like all these cardinal points and directions flawlessly to the point where we can't even rebuild them, but then they lifted these humongous boulders hundreds of feet in the air and set them in perfectly so that the king's chamber, which is the top chamber, has a perfect build to where you only see like five or six different uh, line points of where boulders came together. Like you so don't it's see- like on the side. It's like on the side of the pyramid. No, no, like in the middle like of it, the pyramid. So how can you see it from the outside? What do you mean? No, when you're in the king's chamber Got and it. you're looking in the king's chamber, you can't see like you know when you would imagine bricks stacked on top of each other right you all these lines in between each brick right yeah you can't see any of those because they're just big boulders so you only see a couple like lines connecting these bolt you know where these boulders are placed on top of each other so it's a it's a very sturdy room and uh because it's surrounded by these huge boulders it actually uh, the, this is what I think the purpose was for it. It, heart, it, uh, it vibrates at a different frequency. So if you, if you sing in there, uh, it will reverberate through the walls and it will like max, like almost like an auditorium, how it like carries right. your voice further and stuff. That's right. kind of like how it's built is like a, is like a sounding board or something for yeah. some reason is like acoustics. Yeah. We could get into all, all of this. <laughs> I, I could talk about this stuff forever. Dude, I love, sleep, I, I need to, I need to get, I need to, I need to like sit down and watch some documentaries and stuff about this stuff. Cause I, I remember like a few times like watching some stuff about this stuff or some, some like, I, I guess you call them documentaries or not even yeah, documentaries, yeah. like historical like clips shows or... and stuff. Yeah. Like people talking about the history of it. And like, those things are like super, super interesting. Um, and it just, makes you kind of expand your mind into like what else could be the reason for some of these things. Like a a lot of them talk about um, like, is there some kind of uh, other reason why the pyramids are there and these types of things, which is super, even if it's not true for whatever reason, it's still awesome to like go, go there. Dude. Yeah. It's like, you know, we say that the pyramids were tombs, but we never found any mummies in the pyramids. Right, we never did. No, never found any. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the in the Great Pyramid of 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 Giza, um, no no mummies, and Mm. they go, oh well, that's because grave robbers uh, got there. And it was like, no, technically the way was sealed until late eighteen hundreds, nineteen until archaeologists got there. So it was like we actually broke the seal and got into the pyramid. And there's so like no pathways had, and stuff, right? Yeah, and there's pathways, and we dig, we excavated that area out so that you can now go through the main chamber 
but to get into the pyramid originally the entrance was sealed so we didn't know how to get into the pyramid so we just started like digging into the pyramid to try and get into the pyramid mm. and so there there's the there's like this entryway that was man-made recently you know in the past hundred some years or whatever gotcha and so that was what broke the seal and got us into the pyramid and then when that person got into the pyramid he found the actual entrance and then they excavated the entrance entrance. and so now that's how people get in but up until that point the pyramid was completely sealed so they say oh grave robbers stole the pyramid so it stole the car, the 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 gold and all the all the stuff that was in there with the with the pharaoh and it's like and then they resealed the pyramid <laughs> like they they got they broke in they busted in they stole all this shit and they're like yeah. hey we should close the door that to me doesn't make any sense yeah i don't know like i i don't know how you would how you would even go about doing that like how would you yeah like it was sealed on purpose and it was really hard to get into and you couldn't see the entrance from the outside. So how could a grave robber go in there and find it? Okay, let's say they did, but then they felt like, oh, I'm, I got everything in here. I might as well just seal it up again really good. Uh, doesn't really like follow yeah. logic. It's like you already stole this stuff. Just leave it open. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> you're putting all this know. effort for no yeah. reason no it's not yeah, like you're it's not like anyone lives there it's not like someone's gonna come home and be like hmm, somebody stole my things because they left <laughs> the door open like it doesn't make any, any sense it's like even in modern thievery you know people break into homes do they fix the window before they leave no, no. no they don't. Like, it doesn't no. make any sense so yeah, yeah so so that that's why they think that there's no mummies in there or that there weren't any mummies is because people stole them. But then it's like logically go through that. And how does that make any sense? Um, and uh, <laughs> it just really doesn't, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that go into this, that, and so the reason why I'm fascinated with it too, as well is because, you know, in today's world, we feel like we're the best. We feel like we're the best we've ever been. We feel like, evolutionarily that we're the smartest and the, and the, and the best and that, and, and all these things. And, and how, how could we, you know, learn anything from our past or anything like that? Why do we even care about our past? And it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, build me a pyramid. That's exactly (laughs) the same size as that. Or you can make it a hundred times smaller. Just put all the astronomical units and all the, the measurements and all the, I mean, do you know the circumference of the earth is actually mathematically built into the pyramid? Like how did someone 5,000 years ago know the circumference of the earth? This is when we thought the earth was still flat and someone knew the circumference of the earth and Mm -hmm. built it into the bottom of the pyramid. Like if you take the, the numbers you can find the number, the measurements of the base of the pyramid. You can find the equatorial uh, circumference of the Earth mathematically. The Based chances on of that, the characteristics just, of the pyramid, just the characteristic. Yeah, they reflect. So they reflect the northern hemisphere. Like the relation from the bottom to the top is actually extrapolated from the equatorial center to the top of the Earth. Mm. And then the bottom around 
is is an exact match to the equatorial circumference of the earth within like a couple percentage points you know like maybe a handful of miles or like 50 miles or something like that something that purely outrageous and it's like all of these things they just say oh that was by accident oh that was by accident oh that was like literally Egypt egyptologists will say oh that was just happenstance oh it just happens to align a, a perfectly with north south east west and it just happens to to signify all of these equinoctial alignments and stuff oh it's just a happenstance oh it just is by chance that it has right. all these mathematical equations built into it. They found they have pi. Pi is built into the pyramid. We didn't yeah. discover pi until what, like a thousand, two thousand years ago, and the pyramids mm. are five thousand years. So we have a lot of arrogance about who we are, and uh, I think that there's a lot we yeah. can learn from the past. And so, just uh, that's that's why I seek seek to to find out what what's going on and. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do feel like uh, we are evolutionarily, you know, you could say advanced, but I don't think that we're the top we've ever been. I don't. I've, I feel like we, there have been other experiences as as being humans that are further along, that were further along than us. And yeah, things. Right. I think things happened. You know, there's societies always always have an ebb and flow and up and down right so yeah. um who's to say you know it's 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 this crazy idea it's like how do we know how old the pyramids are well because we look around at all the stuff that is around the pyramid and we date that stuff which is datable because rock isn't datable and it's like okay so that just means you found out who were the last people there that doesn't mean you found out right. who built the pyramids True. That doesn't mean you found out how old the pyramids are. You just, what, what's the difference between them being 5,000 years old and 100,000 years old? Mm. We can't say if they're 100,000 years old indefinitely because we have, we have the, the ways to date it. They, they don't exist to, to date mm. stone, right? So the, the good example that I always get is like, let's say society today collapses, right? And humans go extinct. Right. And then some alien race comes back, comes down, or maybe it's us. And, you know, maybe like uh, some of us survive, but, you know, society as we know it completely falls to pieces. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now we're only living as hunter gatherers again. Right. So we fall the way back to stone age. And um, so we're living as hunter and gatherers. And then in a thousand years or whatever, we get to the point where we can actually go back and look. Right. Yeah. When do you think they're going to date? If they don't find any of our evidence dating the pyramid to 4,000 years ago, when yeah. do you think they're, those people are going to date it? They're going to date it to us. Mm. They're going to say, right. oh, look, this civilization made the pyramid because look at all the stuff around it. Right. <laughs> you know? And so and that's, that's like, you know, in 10,000 years, if we, don't, if we don't keep all this stuff the way it's going, if humanity falls apart, there's not going to be any steel, any iron, anything modern built left over in 10,000 years, right? All the buildings we have in Manhattan would be completely resoiled and reabsorbed by the, by the air and the ocean and the, and the land. Really? Right? Oh, yeah, completely. 10,000 years is all it would take for if we stopped the upkeep and we just let Manhattan die. It would just crumble? It would just crumble. Mm. 
it, all the steel would eventually oxidize, rust, fall down. It would, it would just, steel isn't meant to last. Like metals aren't meant to last in this, it, because they oxidize, because of, I, I don't know all the specifics, but I know that they right. would eventually return back to the earth. They would not stay staying, standing just up. Just rock? Just rock? Just, just rock. So, so in 10,000 years, who's to say, you know, uh, in 10,000 years, humanity disappears, aliens come down and they see all these pyramids and they go, oh, who built these? And they did it to 10,000 years ago, which would be our time because that's when they would find organic shit. Right. They would think that we they built would, the pyramids. They would think that we built the pyramids. And it's like, no, we didn't build the pyramids. We don't have any idea who built the pyramids. We're just the latest inhabitants of the area around the pyramids. And, and I don't see the, why. Yeah. I don't see why that logic doesn't happen in the other way. It's like, okay, 5,000 right. years ago, maybe these people just found them <laughs> and then decided to live near them because they're cool. Yeah. You know? Facts. Yeah. What, like, why is that not a hypothesis? It's just right. as verifiable as the other one. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Never even so, thought of that. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I, I could talk about all these things for forever. I, I, <laughs> spirituality, sleep, nutrition, right, health yeah. and wellness, earthing, grounding. This is a plethora of things that we went through. Ayahuasca, <laughs> pyramid building. <laughs> we might have to go down to uh, Peru and uh, have a time. Yeah, man. I would, I would certainly love that. We'll talk about it. We'll definitely talk about it. Yeah. But dude, I, I appreciate you. I think we've been on here for like almost two hours. This has been the longest Holy moly. episode by a good amount. By probably by a half hour or so. So dude, I appreciate you. Um with the you know, bringing the energy as usual and uh taking us on some tangents that we didn't think we were going to go down. <laughs> I yeah, think he spent like a half hour on the pyramid. That was cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. But dude, yeah, like, do you have any, anything, any like last points to make to all the youngins who, who want to be the, the best selves they can be? I know we, we just were talking about pyramids, which is kind of off topic, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're going to say one last thing to the squad, what is it? One last thing. Um, you know, we talked about faith. Um, I would say have faith in yourself, right? I think that's, uh, that's important. You know, it's easy to say you have faith about something outside of you, but it's, it's really hard right. to have faith in yourself. So believe in yourself. Believe that you have the ability. Believe that you can change what you need to change, that you can grow, that you can exercise your right to grow, your, mm -hmm. your want to grow. That's what I would say. Um, yeah, uh, I know we didn't get too much into sleep. So uh, if anyone ever has any questions, you can reach me on my Instagram. It's Pat Zen Sleep. Um, also, my website, liveplena.com. And uh, just recently released uh, my six-step program uh, to mm. better actualize sleep and uh, higher energy and efficiency in life. It's called the Sleep Mastery Program. Yes, sir. And uh, so that's uh, learnliveplena.com. Uh, but you can find that any, you know, if you find me on Instagram, I can direct you if you're interested. And uh, yeah, I'm just seeking to help people 
help people heal and grow and recover and restore themselves so that they can be the best they can. So, Oh yeah. Hell yeah, yeah man. Dude, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for, uh, bringing, bringing this energy to us, this, this, uh, doing this episode. Appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you.